Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So there's a lot happening, you can see. Um, there's a lot happening in the ministry, there's a lot happening in church. Um, and uh, what you see here is, uh, is just our Sunday gathering. There's, uh, there's much more. Um, there's life groups, there's so many other things, ministry school, um, and then Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus really is another way for you to just understand uh, a big part of the world better, which is the Islam world. Um, specifically in Albania, uh, there's a big work that we are doing there amongst the, the Islam people. But right here in Cape Town, um, they've actually identified Cape Town as their African sort of one of their points of attack um, in what they call the sinister plan of Islam is to take over the world in 100 years. Um, and I'm not making these things up to scare you. Uh, we're not scared. We're just activated. Amen? Uh, someone else is making it up. <laughs> well, we have, uh, um, we have what's a testimony from uh, previous people who were Muslim and now converted who, who told us these things. So they were high up in leadership and in global uh, meetings, and it's really not, um, it's not, it's not unknown. It's, it's like they're not even afraid to, to share it. So um, as a church, we need to ask ourselves, how are we responding? How are we responding? Um, if you watched the, the game last night, then you know that there is a, um, there's a response. There's something that you need to do, like when the All Blacks attacked, the Irish responded, and then vice versa. So you can't just sit and wait. Like You need to be active. You need to be on the front foot. You need to move forward. And I've shared the story before. When I played soccer, um, so I busted my shoulder in, uh, in rugby at university. And then I went and I thought, well, like, I still want to run around and kick a ball. So I went and I started playing soccer. But I didn't grow up playing soccer. I grew up playing rugby. And I remember a very specific one encounter. Let's call it an encounter. So I was playing defense. And they kicked a ball, a long ball, and, um, and I was in the back row now, waiting to defend or get the ball back to the front. And there was a, um, let's call it a, a finnige rats okie. Right? Now, I'm not finnige rats. Like, I can go far, but I go slow. <laughs> and he was approaching me, and the ball was in the air. And, um, and what happened, the ball, I think, gave two bounces, and then me, him, and the ball collided. So it was like... This miraculous three things happening at once. And as I headed the ball, I just braced for impact. So I didn't shoulder charge. I didn't stiff arm. I didn't do any of those things that's very illegal these days in rugby. But I just braced for impact because I learned in rugby how to do that. So that's where the word says when you stand. Like you don't stand. You, you stand. You're on the front foot. When you're boxing, you don't do this because then they'll get you. You're on the front foot. You need to be moving. You need to keep forward. And um, I mean, the rest is history, but only one of us remained standing. <laughs> Shame. The other guy, poor guy, he, 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 he tumbled. He rolled. And the whole crowd was like, wow, what is this? And I was like, well, it wasn't foul play, really. I just knew how to take a hit. And I'm asking you as a Christian this morning, as a believer, do you know how to take a hit? Or are you just running around rampant, wanting to kick a ball and not sure that if impact happens or there's something that comes back at you, what is the will of God? What is it that we're busy with? How do we uh, face persecution, challenges? How do we overcome different things in life that obviously happen? 
And looking around the room, I can make a long list of, um, of challenges. Amen? I can make a long list of things that's not going the way we thought or the way we planned. Or maybe your life is not where you thought it would be. Maybe this year. Like, you know, the best thing of 2020 was that all the prophets got it wrong. <laughs> Everyone had these visions of 2020 clarity and 2020 this. And this is going to be the year of this and the year of that. And no one told us about COVID. Afterwards, there were one or two that said, yeah, when you interpret it in this way, my message actually meant that. I was like, but that's not what you said, buddy. Come on. So prophecy is not fortune-telling. Like, we need to realize that. Prophecy is proclaiming the message of God. And sometimes it's in a new way, but it's not a new message. Because the message never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The message has been the same all along. So we ask ourselves this morning, what is really important? What is really important? And that's an important question for us because the answer is like, what is not important? So the opposite side of your answer is what is not important? And that's really um, something that we need to look at. So I think the will of God is pretty important. Like, I think to know the will of God is really important. Like, I don't know about you, but a lot of people will say, like, yeah, we want to move house, but like, we're just not sure what the will of God is. Or, yeah, I'm not sure if I need to take this job. We're praying about it. We need to decide. Or we want to hear what's God's will. Anyone in that category? Like, <coughs> nothing wrong to be in that category. At least you're considering God, amen? Which is good. Now, if you were here yesterday, there was a statement that I wrote down that says, you don't need to pray about God's will. You can read it. Because I'm coming in the deep end, and then I'll take you to the, to the flock hunt, and we'll get out the trappies at the end of the service. <laughs> So we need to know what the will of God is, amen? And we want to hear His voice, and we want to have communion and fellowship and intimacy with the Father, and we want to be in step. And the Word says, like, he, the, the Lord directs your path, and He gives light to every step, basically. And that's great, because you want to be in alignment, in agreement. You want to walk with the Father. You want to be in step, as they say. But it's really important for us to, um, to come to know what is the will of God. Because if you walk out here this morning, and I have shown you from the Word what the will of God is, then you're going to be free. Amen. You're going to be um, faster to react. You're going to move quicker, hopefully. You're going to make some decisions that you've held back on, or that you haven't made, or that you're praying about. And uh, that's really the heart of the message this morning. So, how can we know the will of God? Let's ask even the question, can we, ha- can we know the will of God? So we can, but like, maybe you're not there. Maybe you don't think we can. Maybe you don't know we can. Maybe you don't know what it means. So let's start in the Old Testament. And let's start in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, and this is one of the verses people will use to tell you that you can't know the will of God. The will of God is mysterious. The will of God is unknown. The will of God is is something foreign. Boy says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Everyone ever heard that? Anyone camping there? You don't want to expose yourself this morning, but I just know this message is from the Lord because the first thing Herman said in pre-service was like the will of the Lord. I'm like, because after a conference like we've had, like, what do you preach on? <laughs> what do you speak on? Because some of you were here, some of you weren't. So you can't really build on it. Um, I was just reminded this morning that why did Thomas not believe? Because he wasn't there. Okay, so if you weren't at the conference, you got some homework, I mean. Because uh, the church is going to move... And like, you're going to wonder, what is happening? So you need to, to catch up. And if you were here, 
you got some homework too because there was too much shared that you could know what was shared. <laughs> All of it, Ben agrees, huh? that was, that was buyer. Um, so it's not to say, ah, oh, this was this amazing conference, you missed out. No, this was deep. This was profound. This was teaching. This was meat. Um, and you're going to go hungry, really, if you don't uh, catch up. But you don't need to worry if you weren't here. Um, because even though Thomas wasn't there, Jesus still went to him. That's grace. Like, maybe you had a good reason not to be here, and that's fine. You're here today. You're listening. You're receiving. You're part of the body. This body, body's going to move, and, and, and we'll, we'll bring you along. We'll take you in. We'll bring you under our wing, and we'll take you with us. So Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people, to my instruction. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden from the beginning that we have heard and known and our fathers have relayed to us. He, we will not hide them from their children, but will declare to the next generation the praises of the Lord and His might and the wonders He has performed. So really speaking about generational impact here, but what is important there, it says, listen to my words, I will open my mouth, verse 2, in parables. The King James, I believe, says dark sayings. <coughs> so if God is speaking in dark sayings, it's not that He's evil. It's speaking parables. Like, you need the dark saying to be enlightened. So that's what the disciples did. Jesus tells a parable and they, tell, they ask him, what does it mean? Why? Because they're in the dark. They don't know what he means. And then he explains it to them. But I want to put it to you that nowhere in the book of Acts does anyone preach a parable. Nowhere in the epistles does Peter or Paul write parables. So the days of talking and sharing parables, dark sayings, not knowing the true will of God, God being mystical or mysterious, is over. Because now I bring clarity. Now I speak plainly as to children. The word speaks about enlightenment. So we've been enlightened. We've been illuminated. We are the light of the world. Now if you're the light of the world, we said it last week, He doesn't invite you to be the light of the world. He's telling you that you are the light of the world. Just get rid of the bucket. So we put a bucket over our heads because we don't want to stand out. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Barnett and I spoke yesterday and he said, we just need to be bold about the word. It's really not about me. Like, whatever I, if I can't back it up in scripture, then I have a problem. No, then you have a problem. (laughs) So I will not share things that I can't back up in scripture. So that you can go and check it out. So that's important. Okay, so the secret is out. The mystery has been revealed. So Isaiah 55 is not applicable to you. The ways of the Lord is higher than your ways, meaning it's spiritual. The thoughts of the Lord is higher than your thoughts, if you're carnal-minded, because He is spiritual. He's thinking spiritual things. So when Colossians 3, Paul writes, and he says, Think about things above, not of things of the earth. He's saying, think the thoughts of God. He's saying, think think the way that God thinks. Do the things that God is interested in. Do the things that God values. And I've said it in prayer um, during worship. Like the purpose of God is the pleasure of God. The, the word is intertwined in the Hebrew. Like the purpose and the pleasure is the same thing. And we think if we need to live the purposes of God, we're going to have to give up on the pleasures. Anyone with me? Okay, let's go to um, Hebrews 11 quickly. So it is true that you're going to have to give up on the pleasures. Sorry. But you're going to gain something much better. Uh, Let me just find it. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and verse 23. Hebrews 11 and verse 23. 
says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months of his parents because he saw he was proper, or a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. What was the king's commandment? To kill your children. Okay? By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called a prince. And with your name comes your authority, and with, if you're, like, with your authority comes your pleasure. If you think about Prince Harry, he's not doing that. He's, he's, he's keeping a lot of the nice things of being Prince Harry, but he's just not giving up on the responsibility. I think. I didn't watch the Netflix series. Some of you can tell me that I'm wrong. But he is not giving up on the, the fame. He hasn't gone into ministry and said, I lay this down and I'm going to go to a hut in Kenya. Okay? He's making a lot of money currently by being different. But he is still the son of Diana. He's not given up on that. But um, Moses did something different. Moses said, I'm not of this place. He, he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather, this is important, to suffer. Sorry, Christian. Choosing to suffer. Why is the world in the state that it is? Because Christians are no longer willing to suffer. Someone asked me a question the other day. said, we think we need to do this. this I mean, it's a, it's a great thing that I want to do. And they want to hear from the Lord. And I'm like, I don't think you need to pray about it. I think you just need to decide how much are you willing to suffer. Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Because there's going to be suffering in the decision. Karan Alisha is suffering in Albania. They have food, they have a home, they, but they're lonely. They don't know the language. They're living the purpose and the pleasure of God, amen? But in the natural, they could have a bigger house, they could have family no, nearby, they could have great careers, they could have two cars maybe, but they've decided to live for the king, for the purposes and the pleasures. So he says here that there is suffering the affliction with the people of God, then enjoy the pleasures. The footnote in the King James says, the passing pleasures of sin. Yesterday we heard how even Esau, when he sold his birthright for the red pot of stew, um, he, 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 he was spite. Like the, he, 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 what is the English word? He, there was regret. Because once you've eaten, like... You know you don't need that chocolate, no? but it's calling your name. What do you like? A, a lint bar or a, a Cadbury whole nut? Bag of chips. Let's take whatever example, whatever you, you, you fancy. Or that, that extra coffee. You know your body's not going to react good, but you just want that taste. And then the guy across orders the second one, and they're like, what do you want? And you're like, you know you should go for the orange juice. But you don't want to be that guy or that girl or that lady. So now you, you take that third coffee or fourth coffee. I don't know where your threshold is. You know, the, 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 the level of your, your threshold of caffeine determines your maturity in ministry. Did you know? <laughs> so I can push to three cups a day now, so I'm growing. Amen. I, I went into ministry not drinking coffee at all, but that's a side note. And a joke. If, like, that's carnal. <laughs> But you take something or you eat that chips and then you regret it not long after. Because you know there's a wedding next week Saturday that you wanted to uh, 
shared for. And now you're running out of time. I'm not talking about Henry, he's doing good. I'm talking about me. <laughs> so now you're looking at, there was that pleasure for a moment, but it's not really worth it in the long run. I think that's the thing with habits, good and bad habits. Like you, you're putting the small things in place, but that's not what I'm teaching on this morning. I'm teaching on the pleasures of this world is passing. It's fleeting. But there's eternal things that's important. It says that esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, the fleisporte van Egypte. Like, that's food, that's riches, that's aircon. Even though they came with two legs and a palm leaf. Okay? <laughs> but they didn't have that in the, where, where the Israelites lived. For he endured. What did he endure? Suffering. For a season. Why? As seeing him who is invisible. So he had what Colossians 3 speaks about. Thinking about things above, not of things on the earth. Who are we speaking about? Moses. Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Moses. What was he writing about? Jesus. Things above not things on the earth. And if you don't believe me, John 5 says that you study the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. I think it's around verse 23, or 12 or 23, check me out. But they are the very writings who speak about me. So Moses didn't leave the Fleisbutte van Egypte because he had an exodus to lead. Moses left the Fleisbutte van Egypte because he believed in Christ. And because he left Egypt, Jesus could use him. If Moses never gave up the pleasures of this world, someone else would have had to lead. If Moses never left the pleasures of this world, someone else would have had to write the first five books of your Bible. So we don't know what the future holds. But we'll never know if we're not willing to step into it. Do you think for one moment, if you speak to Moses now, let's go to the Mount of Transfiguration. Who was there? Moses. Would Moses have been there if he lived in the luxury of Egypt? No. How many years later? I don't know who's the math. 2,000? We can do our Bible timelines. and So for the pleasures of sin for a season, he exchanged for an eternal glory. And he shows up with Jesus on the mountain. Why? Because he was willing to endure suffering. Why was he willing to endure suffering? You know, that's where you get some Christians who's whack in their minds. Let's just call it as it is. Where they just go look for the suffering. On Easter, they get on a cross. Amen? Or they crawl over glass or that's not what we're talking about that's stupidity life is difficult enough amen what we're talking about is living with eternal purpose it's laying down our lives it's being living sacrifices but it is so worth it we don't do it to suffer i don't like suffering i mean as i say this corner is hot we'll get a, a fan <laughs> ask sean i went and i opened the windows because it's unnecessary to suffer 
oh, we're suffering for Christ, so let's keep the windows closed. What is that going to cause in eternity? Absolutely nothing. You're not going to get a static key or some marks for that. But to stand up at work or in your family and say, hey, this is the way of the Lord. To speak up and share the gospel and someone looks at you or kicks you out or you lose your job, that is the suffering. But you're not doing it because you're looking for suffering. You're doing it because God loves you. You're doing it because it's the pleasure of His purpose. And the more you step into the pleasure of His purpose, the more you realize, but this is an eternal pleasure. So you're willing to give up on the pleasures of a season to step into the pleasures of eternity. I'm asking you again, if you were to speak to Moses this morning, and you ask him, are you regretting your decision to leave the temple of Egypt, or the, the, the palace of Egypt? What do you think his answer would be? Not one moment. But I'm sure there were moments when he was walking and hiding in the desert and lost everything and running away and dealing with three million Jews that he was like, oh, I think the acorn and the meat. Even the Israelites in Psalm 78, if you read on, it says that they would have had opportunity to return if they thought of the former things. Now, you know my story, if you don't, if you knew, that I resigned my job to go into ministry, um, which was in 2016. Many times I've been offered employment after that. So faith is not a one-time decision. But you can make it a one-time decision. Because my wife and I, we decided that we're going to go into ministry. So every time an offer comes, we've made a decision. Unless God says, change direction, we're not up to, to listening. My wife and I know that we're called to grace life. Twice now have I had people ask me, like, listen, we're looking for a pastor for this church. And you know what? Those come with salaries. They come with pension. They come with benefits. But I'm going to go into eternity, and I'm going to have to stand before Jesus, and He's going to ask me, what did you choose? And I'm not going to need pension in heaven. This is a word for someone. Like, you're worried about your pension fund not being enough. Don't worry. What's the worst that can happen? You die of hunger and you don't need it where you're going. <laughs> and guess what? You're part of church, so you won't die of hunger. That's what the community is there for. We take care of each other. We look after each other. The word says we look after each other first. And then to the world. Why? Because we don't want to give what is yours to the people out there because we don't want them to miss out on what you've got. So it needs to be enticing to be part of the church. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it's going to be equipping you. It's going to build you up. It's going to strengthen you. And if you're a lone ranger, then what happens? Lone rangers get shot. Amen? And then people run to us and then they say, okay, but I need to make a decision. Pray with me. And they make a decision and they get a great job. And then you never hear from them again. Until they get retrenched. Then you hear from them again. That's not maturity. That's stupidity. Amen? You're not just here to get. You're here to bring something. Amen? We're not a bunch of spectators. Now, Colossians 1.25. The secret is out. The mystery has been revealed. I became its servant by the commission of God to fully proclaim to you the word of God. The mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed. To his saints. So you know what God wants. Saint. You can read it. We're going to read it now. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. 
as some count slackness. But he is long-suffering, not willing. What is the will of God? Well, you're going to read it now. Not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sorry, am I the only one reading this? What is the will of God? Is it mystical? Is it hidden? Is it higher than what we can understand? Jane, we can understand this, can't we? We can read this. If you don't understand this, read it in Afrikaans. Okay? It's going to say the same thing. God is not willing. What is the will of God? Well, it's that no one perish. So predestination, we have a problem. Because my understanding of no one, or any, is... I don't need to interpret that. I can just read it. And that all should come to repentance, which means all come to understand the way of Christ. That all people be born again, so that God can inhabit, not the praises of people. God doesn't inhabit the praises. He wants to inhabit the tabernacle. He wants to move into you, and then we can sing with Him. Amen? 1 Timothy 2 verse 3, what is the will of God? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who's your Savior? Is it God or Jesus? Doesn't matter, same answer. We'll speak about Trinity a bit, but not today. Who would have? What would God have? Oh, if we can only know the way of God. Like, but His ways are higher than our ways. God is in heaven, we're on earth, we don't have a clue. No, you don't. If you don't read, you don't. But if you do read, you, you're okay. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Do you think that's according to His will? It's good and acceptable. It's according to His will. We would have all men. Ladies? Sorry. No, no sorry. You're included. It's people. The King James is sexist. Okay? Remember that. You need to study out the word like it speaks all people. What? Be saved. That's your first step. Second step? Be discipled and come to the full knowledge of the truth. The word truth there is, and I've said it many times, reality. So God wants you to be saved and God wants you to have a full understanding of the true reality. That's why you need to watch The Matrix. Only watch the first one. Okay. Because they're living in a world that they think is true, and then some of them start to wake up to a true reality. And what are they doing? Once they've woken up to that true reality, they're getting other people born again, set free from the old fake reality. And that's really what we are to do as Christians. Once you've woken up to the true reality that all this is not going to last, or all this is not important, but there's something more important, there's something more real, they're not the pleasures of sin for a season, but the pleasures of His purpose for eternity. And now we're inviting you to come and join us into this, because guess what? There's other people who don't know. There's other people who would never know unless we go. So that's why we gather to grow to go. Amen? And if you're not ready to go, come. Come. Don't worry. We won't send you until you're ready. The kingdom is, uh, is, 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 is valuable enough that we're not going to send you unless you're ready. 
But we want to get you ready. We want to equip you. We want to, we want to stir you up. We want to help you. We want to equip you. We want to get you to a healthy place. We want you to, to get rid of the things that slow you down so that you can live life in the full. So that you can live healthy and that you can become a minister. Amen? We would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10. For even while we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work. Okay, now we need to just pivot a little bit. What do we do with the fact that what we do here is not that important? I'm going to have to be a good pastor this morning. I'm going to be a good pastor. Don't worry. So this is where we pivot. So I'm telling you, eternity is most important. And we all know it. But guess what? The landlord here is really nice. But he's still asking for us to be here. And God does not have money. That's a word for someone. But you do. So that's why God needs you to give into the offering so that we can pay to be here. So that we can equip you to send you out. How are you going to get money? Not by giving, but by working. Sorry. Okay? The word says that if you're not willing to work, then you should not be willing to eat. I don't know about you, but some of you do fasting better than I do. I get hungry every few hours. (laughs) So I'm working... Even though I've resigned, because I don't want to be a burden on this ministry. And guess what? Myself and my wife and the two boys, they're starting to eat a lot. So someone needs to pay for it. Amen? So I'm willing to work because I want to eat. But also because I want to give. I want to give of my time. I want to give of my ministry. I want to give of what is inside of me. And you know what? Sometimes it takes a lot. This week was busy. Because now you work in the day, and a lot of ministry happens in the evenings. Ministry school, if you were with me in Bontyable on Wednesday night, if you were here on Friday night, yesterday was an off day for most people. Um, and we need to, to now fiddle around that and figure things out, and sometimes you just don't have a Sabbath. And that's not unholy. <laughs> Why? Who worked on the Sabbath? Oh, your true rest. It's good to have a Sabbath. I'm a um, proponent. I I speak well of Sabbath, and I know that when I don't have one, I can feel it. But some weeks, you just don't have the luxury. You need to endure and suffer for the kingdom. Amen? And guess what? We'll be okay. We just came back from a holiday. Forgotten about it. This week was so busy. Amen? (laughs) And that's what happens with the holiday. You have a public holiday in ministry, guess what? Sunday doesn't move a day out. It's still seven days. So you have the same work, you just do it, there's time to do it. Amen. What do you do with who you are? What do you do with your work? What do you do with your career? What do you do with your talents? What do you do with the giftings God has given you? What do you do with your experience? What do you do to, um, to bring this into some kingdom purpose? That's the question I want to answer for you this morning. Will that help anyone? That will help me. So I'll answer, I'll speak to myself. I thought I will help you some more. Like, you're sitting in this position and we don't want all of you to go and resign tomorrow because we don't have you equipped and ready to send out yet. 
But what we do want you is to use what you've got for something eternal. To use the vehicle to get to a destination. Where what the world has made the destination is actually just our vehicle. I'm going to say that again. What the world has made the destination of success is the believer's vehicle to true success. What do I mean with that? Some people want to become the CEO of a company. That's the destination. When they get there, they're happy. When they get there, they're fulfilled. When they get there, they've reached the purpose of their life, they think. Maybe some Christians do that too. Maybe you think that. I'm telling you this morning, you're not going to be happy. You're going to have more stress, more responsibility. You might have more money, less time to spend it. Okay? More people wanting, drawing from you. And guess what? Every person has a boss. If you're the CEO, there's a shareholder. What a revelation. (laughs) So what I'm telling you is you can use your position as CEO for influence. You can use your position as CEO for finances. But I want to put it to you that you're not going to be fully fulfilled in your purpose if you only give financially. Because no one is called to only give finances and not of themselves. Jesus didn't say go out and make money and give. He said go out and preach the gospel. I also want to say that you will not be fulfilled if you don't give. Finances. Of yourself. Because there's something in giving that says, I'm part of this. I'm in. I'm with you. I'm going to... Like, it does something in your heart. And remember that bank account. So you're putting money into something eternal... Now you want to be part of something eternal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if your heart is not in this, then ask yourself, where's your treasure? So if you... uh, I'm using the verse on the board to say that it's good to work. Sure, the pastor said it's good to work. Yes. You know what? Look at this. I brought this specifically for a reason. This is some of the most beautiful greeting cards that I've ever seen, like handmade, okay? That one is quite special, I think. This one is something, I'll tell you why I bought it, there's two reasons. The first reason why I bought it is just like, I was just so amazed by the talent, by the effortlessness with which this lady made these cards, okay? There's some, that one is interesting. I mean, you know why I bought it? I cannot make this. As simple as it looks. Andre, you can make this, I'm sure. You, you're talented. I, I, I will try and it will look like Jordan made it. Okay? My three-year-old. So I was so amazed that someone has this talent and that this person is so different to me. That I wanted to support it. I wanted to say, what? I mean, I just want to, I want you to keep making cards. But you know what the second reason why I made it, or why I bought it, was she was standing there at a table yesterday, Anna. And she had a board up that says, this is funding my mission to Albania. And that's really the purpose and the essence of my message this morning. And she's using a talent that is amazing, but she's using it not as the destination. Oh, I sold 100 cards yesterday. No, she's using it as a vehicle to get to Albania. So it's not making less of the talent, the gift that she has. No, it is celebrating the gift that she has to make it something eternal. And you know what? Just because of that, when she rang up the amount, I said, just add a zero. 
Because I want to be part of her going to Albania. I think the cards itself is worth the extra zero. But that's not what moved me. What moved me is that is how we should live. That is the essence of she's going to eat, she's going to go, but guess what? She's not going to put money into some savings account. No, she's going to put money into an eternal account because she's going to go and share the gospel and she's going to do it proper because she's equipped. And I wanted to highlight that to you as that is someone in church. And you think maybe, oh, that's easy. Or what else would she do with that gift? You don't know it, but she can be a professional opera singer in Europe. She's been invited. But she's got a higher purpose. And even if she goes one day, it will be with a purpose. So she's getting equipped now so that she can be effective on the mission field. She's giving up a lot because there's eternity at hand. So the secret is not... The secret is out. What is supposed to be the vehicle should not be your destination. God has made each of us as poetry, the word says. Masterpieces. Different. He's made you unique. You are you and we need you. Amen? You don't need to be like me. Please don't. Like We don't need to be like Shane. You need to be you, but all of you. All of that God has given you. Bring it together and say, Lord, how do we, how do we add value to the kingdom through who I am? Through what I have. Moses said, what must I do? The Lord said, what is in your hand? I'm asking you this morning, what is in your hand? What is it that you have that is not really flourishing? Maybe it's flourishing in the natural, but not in your heart. Like you go to work, but you go to work like, I don't know. I don't know where my purpose is. I'm praying about my calling. Now we all have the same purpose. We all have the same calling. But we all have different vehicles through which to live it out. Because there's a lot of people that will never come to church that you're going to meet this week. On our one Sunday off this year, we went to a coffee shop where friends of ours had a gathering of what is their community. And what's very interesting, we drove through Pretoria North and we drove through traditional churches or past them and you could see the parking lots were filled. It was 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And we drove to this coffee shop and the people there, I promise you, would not fit in with those churches. Very different community, but community. And I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, somewhere between this tradition and this coffee shop, we need to fit in somewhere in between, because we need to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I asked the Lord, like, Lord, where... Where do we fit in on the spectrum? And then you have your preference. Depending on your background or your value system, maybe you want to be closer to the coffee shop, or maybe you want to be closer to the traditional way of doing things that most of us grew up in. And I've been contemplating this thought, and you know what God said? He said, there's nowhere in between that you fit in, you need to fill the whole space. Because all of those people are not in God's plan for perishing. And you know what? I cannot. I myself fit in somewhere. And maybe you've grown to be a bit more... Um, it's not fluid, but if I meet with people, I pray, Lord, what should I wear? And if I don't hear anything, I'd, I'd put on what I want. But if I hear something, maybe it's a connection point. 
Maybe it's something that makes them feel safe if we're wearing the same kind of shoes or a different shirt. or Like, you don't know, but man looks at the outward appearance. So I can either dress more sporty or more businessy. And if that's going to add to the kingdom, it's going to add to the possibility of this person receiving Christ today, then I'm going to do it. Okay, but I have this spectrum, and I've maybe grown to have a bit of a wider spectrum through which I could like, be flexible. But there's a spectrum here where I definitely don't fit in. But if I look in the room, some of you do. And that's why God needs all of us to be us. Because there's people that you're going to meet this week that will not listen to me, but they will listen to you. There's people in this week that even if I were to meet all of them, I would not be able to connect to them in the way that you can connect to them. I took Christu to Solari's Pass the first night that he did youth. I said, Christu, I'll do the message. You do the icebreaker. I pray that he wouldn't stop with the icebreaker. Because he was ministering so deeply and connecting so well that I knew that I couldn't do it better. Even though I prepared the word. So there was just a a, a space for him to just be him. And it's not about who we are. It's not about who's important or who's more senior or whose idea it was. It was about the kids. It was about the youth. And I knew that they are receiving now. I could feel it in the spirit. They were drawing from him. So I wanted to get out of the way. Because I'm willing to shut up. You might not think it. So that someone can hear. So that someone can receive. So that someone can find their eternal purpose and pleasure. We have to live like Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Now I'm asking you a question. If you were to pray that prayer, you need to know the will of God to pray that prayer. Because how do you know your will is not in alignment with His will? You need to know His will, and then you know your will. And you tell, Can I tell you what the difference is? It's spiritual and carnal. Because Jesus said it Himself. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's like those chips. My, uh, my wife and I, we did a, a three-week detox once, basically to support my mother who's just came out of um, cancer and chemo- chemotherapy. And we didn't want her to, to have to do it alone. So as a family, they were in Joburg, we're here. We all did it together and it was like, it wasn't fasting, we ate, we ate healthy. Like we ate like... I went into checkers and I bought everything on that green shelf. You know that green shelf, like those names you don't even know. Like the shopping list, had all of that on. And the first week is tough. Like my dad said, he went uh, cold turkey from seven or eight cups of coffee a day to nothing. And his words I'll never forget. He said it felt like the top of his head was missing. (laughs) I said, well, that's maybe a bit drastic. but So it was a process. No sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol. Like, just fresh. And we were like, you ate, you ate, you were full. But it was, the first week was difficult. The second week, it started to become fun. You know what, you were so tired by nine in the evening that you just fell asleep. Because you had no stimulants. No sugar, no caffeine, nothing keeping you going. 
unnaturally. The third week, you think in your mind that you will never in your life eat McDonald's again. Like, it is the grossest thing. You think of the smell, and you're like, I'm so healthy now, I will never stop. (laughs) The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. But the point I'm trying to make is, it is really amazing to only eat healthy. It is difficult to get there. And then it is a commitment to stay there. It's expensive. But then they say, what, how, how, how expensive is your health? Or what are you willing to pay? What, how valuable is your health? The same with this. It is difficult to lay down the things that we have hold dear and near. But there's something more. There's more likeness. There's more freedom. There's a different way, a different reality to live. Because to live is not to be successful. Paul said to live is opportunities for Christ. Maybe you think Jesus' prayer is a step too far for you. So let's take Paul. Who gave up everything that he laid down his life as a young boy. Growing up under rabbis. Being the top of his class. He was the Elon Musk of his generation. In terms of theology. He was set up for greatness. He would to be the greatest rabbi that have ever lived. He was zealous for God, the word says. And in his own writings, he says, those things I count as dung. Rather to suffer like Moses did. Because it's not about the suffering. It's about the purposeful pleasure. Think about the things above. And the things of this earth become strangely dim in the eyes of His glory and grace. I want to take a moment here for us to respond. I want to take a moment for us to contemplate. I want to take a moment where you can internalize and converse with God just around what is this for you. What does this look like? What are the tweaks that you can maybe make in your life that when you come back next week, you're going to say, yes. How was your week? Purposeful. How was your week? I can't wait for Monday. What's the the problem with the Blue Monday? There's two problems. Physiologically, you've stopped getting up at the specific time, so... You put the alarm off over the weekend, so now your body wants not to go back. So it's it's, it's science. Bigger reason, I believe, is purpose. People live for weekends. So Sunday night blues becomes blue Mondays, becomes hopefully productive Tuesdays, and by a plain Saturday on a Wednesday, because how are you going to make it to the end of the week? I mean, we, maybe not you, but there's a lot of people I know who live like that. So you take two days out of seven. What is the math? So 35% about it, probably. Of your week, of your life, are you excited about. And the rest of it, you're living up to other people's expectations, including your own. Now, you can do the same job 
in the same business, in the same cubicle, with eternal purpose. And you're going to want to be raring to go. Amen? What is it that you value? What is your purpose? I want to say one more thing. If you are working with God to bring people to repentance, to keep them from perishing, to see them grow in the true reality, the fullness of the truth, no matter where you are, who pays your payslip, or where you live, you are in the will of God. I almost forgot to say that, and that's the most important part of the message. If you are helping people get saved, growing in the truth, bringing people into the full reality of Christianity, you are in the will of God. So relax. It's not that difficult. God is not going to ask you, where did you preach the gospel? It's going to ask you, did you preach the gospel? That's the... So let's go. Lay aside every weight that slows you down. Lord, what t-shirt should I wear today? Lord, should I turn left or right? People end up in mental asylums who pray those prayers. Yeah, Peter, you just said you prayed. Yeah, but I pray it from a place of purpose. Lord, is there anything that I can add to this day that's going to help the kingdom? Not, Lord, am I missing your will? Or, Lord, like, please, like, I cannot move until you speak. No, I'm moving. God said go, so I'm moving. You can turn the rudder of the ship on the harbor, the ship's not moving. The ship's not turning. But once you get moving, you turn the rudder of the ship, God can redirect you. Amen? You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.